All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. And my guest joining me today, you may recognize him or his voice rather from one of your favorite cartoons growing up. He voiced Double D in the hit Cartoon Network cartoon, Ed Ed Nettie. He also was a part of Ninjago and he voiced in Superdog, Sam Vincent. How are you doing, sir? Greetings and salutations, everyone. Double D. Edwards speaking. How are you? Oh, wow. You still have it after all these years. Is that hard to maintain? It's, you know, in the morning, you got to <clears throat> warm up the old vocal cords a little bit. But uh, it's uh, it's nine now here, so I'm okay now. Yeah. What, what is that like for a voice actor? Because I always, like, wonder if you, if you voice a role for so long, but then you go an extended period of time where, you know, you don't have to do those voices anymore if they go away or they come back. Does what does uh, the fine line look like in terms of maintaining some of the the voices? Well, I yeah. As far as Double D's concerned, I don't. You know that show ended years ago, yeah. And we're coming up on our twenty fifth anniversary of it debuting on Cartoon Network. So. You know, it's it's part of. I still play younger characters, so I've got to kind of keep my, you know, my voice is still relatively. I do the younger characters, so I'm always. And also, fans are always asking you to just throw out a little shout out to, uh, you know, in in that voice. So it's it's it hasn't failed me yet in terms of just like keeping that um, high range there. So it's, but you do have to. I'm sure if I if you ask me like, you know. Can you do double D? And I hadn't even practiced the voice for ten years. I'd be like, "Oh, greetings! <clears throat> uh, what the heck's going on? I can't get it." <laughs> so, you know, you kinda, it's like training. You gotta keep, gotta stay fresh. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to ask people if they're ever recognized by their voice, but I'd have to assume in a public setting, you don't. That's not really a voice that you would be using to all too often. Like, no, so, no, no, really nobody, nobody, unless you've watched a few of my interviews or seeing some of this, like people post stuff about at the conventions, nobody, you know, would ever recognize me. That's, I kind of like that. I go Mm -hmm. around and sometimes I get to throw out a surprise to people, you know, even being in this, uh, a smaller town now, there's still a lot of kids who are big fans of Ninjago and stuff like that. So it's like, if I see a kid playing with like a little Lloyd Garment on thing, sometimes I'll just try and trip them out and go, you know, man. You know, uh, I'm Lloyd Garment on the Green Ninja. Did you know that? Ninja, and they, they, they kind of look at me and go, "No, you're not." I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> I walk away. <laughs> go, I, well, I really am. I really am Lloyd Garment on. <laughs> it, it's almost like because I'm a big wrestling fan, so that those are like you know with gimmicks and whatnot. I feel like for for voice actors, the voice almost is the gimmick. You know what I mean? So being able to oh, yeah. being able to voice the characters you played to maybe people at conventions and other settings that you know they're fans of, it's probably going to be really rewarding to see possibly their reaction to those types of Oh, yeah. Absolutely. um, The conventions are a great opportunity. I haven't done any for a while, but it's a great opportunity for people to just hear that favorite character all of a sudden shoot out of your mouth. They're like, oh, my God! Ah!" You love it. So, yeah, it's it's fun. And... uh, it's like kind of like one of those hidden things you don't know until it pops out and you're like, oh my god, you're actually doing that person, ah, you know. So it's cool. Are you still voice acting these days? Uh yeah, I'm still doing uh, 
Well, there is a current show that Ninjago has come into a new uh, rendition called Ninjago Dragons Rising. It's currently uh, on um, Netflix, and that show is... I think they've released the first 10 episodes. There's going to be more, and we're, it's, it's, it's a continuous thing right now. So that's currently what I'm focused on is Ninjago Dragons Rising. And then, wow. you know, the odd uh, publicity or, I mean, like, radio ad or this or that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did, did that stem kind of from um, Ed, Ed and Eddie, or were those two separate entities? Like, did you try out for them separately? Oh, yeah. Ed, Ed and Eddie was, uh, like I say, it's we're coming up on 25 years. So, you know, that I, that came up first, and uh, I auditioned for that and got it, and that it was fun. And then Ninjago... Uh, actually, in the in the in the very beginning of Ninjago, I was I was out of country for I was on vacation, and I was unable to hit the initial uh, auditions for that, and I missed out on it. And then the character of Lloyd, um, they were transitioning the character of Lloyd into a, a a younger adult voice, and Jillian Michaels, who was playing Lloyd as a young boy, they decided that they wanted to change. The, the tone of, of, of Lloyd so he could be more of an, a teenager having this romantic, well, pseudo-romantic relationship with this other character, Harumi. So they decided to do a casting change. And from that point on, season 10, Lloyd's of Gar or, um, Sons of Garmadon, I, I've been playing Lloyd since then. So uh, I got another chance coming around to audition for Ninjago again. So it's nice to be part of the show now. It's cool. They must they must have uh, really liked you then, because to come around the second time, you know. Well, I well the thing about Vancouver is there's Vancouver the the voice industry in Vancouver, like in other markets, whether it's L.A. or Toronto or New York, there's kind of a stable of voice performers that get known by the the producers and and the casting directors in that particular city. So I was kind of people knew about me. So I, I was one of the people that was going to audition for it again. So I'm, you know, just one, kind of one of the regulars, you know, as you know, yeah. you go in and you audition and the people that were, were in charge of Ninjago and the casting, they, they were familiar with me and my work already. So, you know, it always helps that that happens, but so, you know, I got, I got lucky. I always feel like I get a little lucky when you get a part, right? Cause there's so many talented people out there. So when you do get a part, you're like, Right, they picked me this time. They picked me. Did you have any passions growing up as far as maybe like things that okay, when I get older this might be a, you know, pretty good career path? Well, initially when I was younger, I was more interested in the drawing side of animation. Like I really liked drawing. I was just doodling and sketching as a kid a lot. Um so I really loved uh cartoons like a lot of kids do. And I don't know why I just when I started to go into high school and was doing drama and, and theater and improv and all that sort of stuff in high school, I, I kind of got drawn into that world. And my brother um, was also an actor in high school. And we both kind of got into an agency talent agency pretty early on, like in our teens. So it kind of I just kind of went that way. And I was just kept getting a little bit of work, a little bit of work and. I just kind of decided to go that way. But when I was younger, I was more into the drawing. 
I mean, we were always goofing around and, and making voices and putting on sketches and all that stuff that kids love to do, you know, try and get your parents yeah. to crack up and stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe, I don't know, were you, were you as a, a, a fan of wrestling? Were you guys doing like wrestling matches in the backyard? Oh, and the whole of thing? course. I think everybody was, yeah. if, if you grew up, you know, young as a wrestling fan, that's sort of like almost the accustomed thing is to kind of try those things until you get to an age and you realize like that's not safe to be to be doing that kind of stuff. It's time to go to a professional and learn how to do it professionally. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned obviously, you know, your brother was involved with it. Did he kind of uh, nudge you at all to, you know, kind of get involved with it or did you? Well, he, 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 he my brother's passed away now. It's almost four years. Uh, he was about 13 months younger than me. So I was the older brother, but, he, we kind of, it was almost about the same time we were in theater. And since I was a little older, I think I got an agent before he did. And once I got an agent, he was like, I want an agent too. And I was like, all right, all right. So I think I introduced him to my agent and then he, they became our agents. And we've kind of followed that same path. He had in the beginning, in his high school years, he had quite a lot of success uh, in terms of um, being cast as he had a really good look like back then I was more kind of, well, I, I still look more like Italian, Portuguese, mm -hmm. whatever. He, he, he had more of a kind of the all American look. I mean, he right. was, he looked like he had a more castable look back then. Um, whereas I might be going for the odd. I think my first part in a TV show was, uh, <laughs> I think I was an Italian kid working at a pizza place. And the show was called, it was called Wise Guy. And Ken Wall, who was the lead at the time, he pulls me out of this, this, this window door at a pizza place. He's like, oh, where are they? And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. They've gone back to Palermo. You know, so it was like, that was kind of the roles I got. You know, it was either some street punk or whatever. But he was getting more of the kind of sidekick friend roles and all these stuff. So he did quite well with the on-camera stuff um, back in the day. And I started to get more into the voice work i was having success with the voice work and i liked it because there was no there was no oh you don't look the part it was more like do you sound the part so it is it, it opened up the ability for me to do a lot more kind of different things not being restricted by how you look which was nice so that's sort of how you were introduced to voice acting you were just kind of told by somebody that you know you you might have a voice for this and then you decided to pursue it or well, we act there actually wasn't I wasn't even aware. This was still when the voice industry in Vancouver was starting to burgeon. There was I had no idea that you could even do voice work. It didn't even occur to me in my mind. Now it's like a profession that people pursue to say, I want to be a voice actor, you know. For me it was like I didn't even think you could be a voice actor. I was just going to auditions, doing my little auditions for T V stuff, and then I got a call for an audition for a a, a it was actually a dubbing of an anime show um, from Japan, which was called Dragon Warrior in in American Canada. I'm, I'm failing to remember the name of it in uh, Japan, but it was a dub for I think it was just 13 episodes of a of a anime cartoon. And I'd never auditioned for voice. I didn't even know what that was. They gave me some script and I went in front of this guy. And I don't even know if I auditioned with a microphone or anything. It was so long ago, but. I got the part and I had to learn how to dub cartoons in, in the studio. And that was my first introduction to voice work. And then 
slowly but surely i got more auditions um i think bucky o'hare and the toad wars was a show that was my first prelay show which means that the voices are done and then they animate after so it's not a dubbing project it's an actual prelay series which means it was original to um uh, the american market and then you know little by little i started to get more and more voice work and i liked it because i was succeeding in it so you tend to lean towards the things that you're yeah getting a good response from so you're like oh well, this is working out for me so i should just keep going down this this road you know i, I try to compartmentalize the, the difference between like on screen acting and voice acting because there are two forms of acting it's just one of those involves like the facial expressions and emotions while like reciting your lines whereas maybe like voice acting you kind of have the luxury of like not having your face being seen so you don't really have to worry about that aspect of it however it's more of like an internal type of thing with bringing out that emotion because you're bringing like your voice and like there's certain sounds that you know the producers may want you to sound like um what is like maybe the difference in uh your opinion between the two for your personal experiences well it, i i think too it it's it's interesting because you get a lot of people who are very very experienced uh on camera actors and they can it doesn't necessarily translate when they get in, in a studio and they get this mic microphone in front of their face it can be a little bit daunting to go like okay how am i doing this right because it's all about environment so in a studio with a microphone a lot of people can get a little bit kind of like oh you know it's i'm gonna act in this thing here and so you kind of got to get over that mentality of being in a studio with a microphone in your face and trying to act and trying to bring out these things and i think also like for me i always felt more comfortable in front of a microphone than i mean i've done on camera work and i the auditioning process i've always felt a little bit more freaked out by the on camera auditioning because you kind of go into this room and like you know people are there and they're sitting there it, it feels a little bit more tense to me that the situation like i've always felt more loose doing voice work it's just yeah i've always felt the environment in a in a in a voice audition because everybody's pretty much in voice work are they're all a bunch of goofballs like a mm -hmm. lot of the time they're just yeah. on people you know like hey man it's going blah 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 and you're you're hamming it up and talking to each other and and it's very kind of a relaxed atmosphere when you're auditioning for voice work and I always find whenever I went to an on camera audition everybody was it just felt so tense like the the mood in the room was like everybody's like studying their lines and you know like very tense like and, and they call your name and it feels like you're going in for like an erectile exam or something it's like that kind of tension you're like you know so that's the mood of it is different and i feel like having to contain yourself with on-camera performance because it's so internalized and you know you wanting to don't do too much that kind of idea of don't do too much you know oh that's too much you know but in in, in voice work it's it's almost never enough. They usually like to pull you back. You know, they'll, they'll, we'll let you know if you've gone too far. We'll pull you back, right? And a lot of times with on-camera on camera performers, they have to be pushed a little bit more to push, just push it out a bit more, push out your performance a bit more. It's a little bit flat. It's not coming, well, they say it's not coming through the microphone. It's not sticking to the mic. So, you know, they have to learn that. They have to maybe how to learn to push themselves out a bit more and maybe on cam our voice actors have to learn to kind of, 
bring it back in a bit. So mm-hmm. it's a kind of a push and pull. Did you yeah. ever have? Did you ever have any like bad, like on screen acting auditions, like to where you could be like, oh, well, that didn't go too well? Oh, I've had. I I I I've told this story a couple of times, but um, I had a horrible, horrible audition for. I think it was the pilot of X Files. We're going way back. Wow. And I was I was a young actor. I was probably like 19, 20 at the time. And it was for an it was for the pilot episode of X Files. And you know, being a young actor, you're always like, you got your people that you look up to and you want to take risks and you want to be like you know, like I think it was like Nicolas Cage at the time was just doing some just far out kind of wacky stuff in his performances, but really, really interesting stuff. You know, if you look back to his his earlier performances, oh, he's still he's still out there too. He's awesome. But um, I remember it, the episode was about wanting this kid was basically abducted by an alien or aliens, and he was being interviewed by the uh, Mulder and Scully or whatever it, in the hospital room, and I, he's in the bed, and he's just like they're asking him questions about what happened, and then you know when you're like. In, in school, you're like, make an interesting choice with your audition. Be interesting. I'm like, what would be interesting? Oh, I know. I'm going to say my lines as if I'm talking in the same voice that the aliens were talking to me. So I think this is brilliant. This is a brilliant idea. I'm going to, I'm going to, th- this is it. This I'm going to go in there and they go, wow, that was amazing. So I go in there. The first line comes and I'm like, I can't remember, I'm lying, in, I'm like lying in the bed like I'm, you know, I've just woken up, I've been abducted by aliens and they, and my first line I go like this, I go, I did some kind of weird voice. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, this is going to rock and I, and all of a sudden I hear in the background, I'm like, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm, I'm trying to be all serious with my acting and they're like, and I'm just thinking to myself, are they laughing at me right now? No, it couldn't be. So I keep doing it and I go, and then it dawned on me, they're actually laughing at my performance. And I was so upset as I, like, how dare they laugh at my choice, right? So I finished my audition and I get up and they're like, they're like that was great. That was great, you know? And, and I'm leaving, I'm like, oh. And I, I think I got all pouty and I said, thanks for making me lose my concentration. And I ran out. And uh, it was it was pretty funny though. So this is when you were young. Yeah, like, yeah, 19 or 20. You know, you're an actor. Like, I'm going to do, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to do something wild and wacky. I'm going to, and it was like, was not the response that I was hoping for. That's all I can say. <laughs> and I can laugh at it now, but at the time, you're a young actor, and you're like, they were laughing at me. Laughing. <laughs> no. D- did you go through that emotional development, like, when it comes to growing a thick skin? Because you're obviously being analyzed by people, like, you know, strictly and critically. So, like, you almost kind of need a thick skin when you're in front of a public audience or just any audience in general. Did you go through that um, emotional development where, like, yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, yeah, there is a there is the the whole idea of rejection. Um, that you have to just get used to. So there is a certain amount of uh, development, just getting thick skin. But uh, I, like I say, I, I tended to lean toward 
the voice work because I was having success and I was having a lot of fun. And so it didn't really impact me. Like, I think if I'd gone like on camera audition after on camera audition after on camera audition, just, just getting rejected over and over and over and over again, that, that would have been tough. Um, so, but with the voice work, I, you know, I would get, you know, I wouldn't get parts like, you know, a lot of people don't get parts. I didn't get everything that I auditioned for, but I had a good uh, percentage of success. So I, I like that. And then, and I just almost forgot about on camera for a while. And then maybe a few years ago, I thought, you know, I want to kick at the can, just try this out. I'm in a different place now. I want to try it out. And there were still a lot of things that were like the same old, oh, this again. I forgot about this. I don't like this at all. And yada, yada, yada. But I was having, I had some decent success. I was starting to get some stuff and which would help uh, a little bit with the, the confidence of more on camera. And then I managed to do a, an independent film where I was the lead in the role. And that was the first time I played a lead role in a feature mm -hmm. film. And going through that whole journey was good for me because I, I kind of felt like I succeeded in, in that kind of area of, of the work. I managed to get some accolades, like festival accolades for the, for the role. And that kind of put a stamp on me going, okay, I feel like I, you know, it's not that I wouldn't do on-camera work again. I, I, I do still, like, I enjoy it. But I kind of put a stamp on it and said, okay, I feel like I proved myself there. I did this lead. I got some success. Now I can just go back to, to voice and do what I really, really feel like is fun and I enjoy a lot. So yeah. the on-screen part was more or less like kind of like a prove it to yourself type of thing in a way? Well, I think there's always these aspects of, of your thing where you go, I, you know, because most of the stuff that I've done, it would be like little guest stars and things like that. Um, but you go, what would it be like to hold the role in a movie for the whole movie? Like, and my character was almost in every scene in the movie. And that's like, that's just another level of going, okay, that's another level of acting where you, where you have to be the lead role and do that stuff. And after I did it, it was rewarding. It was exhausting because the character was very, very emotionally disturbed and far from my own kind of personal way of being that uh it was a, it was emotionally draining and i don't really get emotionally drained doing uh voice work i mean i can get physically drained yeah um but not 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 the way that that movie probably psychologically like affected me for over a year <laughs> you know not not like i couldn't leave my house but i mean just in that kind of thing it weighed on me for a year yeah. As a you know, voice work, it's, you, you kind of go there, you have fun, and then you leave, and it's not like you're sitting there going, "Oh, I feel so." Ugh. You know, are are you a self motivator, or did you look to people for any type of you know motivation or confidence building throughout your career? I, to be honest, there's a lot of people. I guess you grow up and you go, oh, "I'd like to do that. I'd like to do that," but. Honestly, I was more motivated by the people that I was working with, the people that were in the room with me, that were my kind of colleagues. They, they, they grew up learning how to do voice acting professionally the kind of way I did. And there were some people that were maybe three or four years ahead of me on the curve of learning this whole 
business of doing voice acting. So I looked up to them. I see, I saw what they were doing and would try and steal from them some of the greatness that they had. And, and, and it's, that's kind of more was my thing is, is just seeing the people that are actually around me that are really doing well and, and, and their skills and abilities and kind of like learning from them as opposed to maybe people who are like, you know, in Hollywood. I mean, as a younger performer, I liked a lot, you know, like obviously I was, I was that generation where people like De Niro, Pacino, all those, you know, and as a young man full of angst and wanting to be like, ah, you know, that kind of, you kind of inspired by those performances. But as you know, I, I'm, I'm less inspired by that kind of stuff. Now I'm more, I'm more into just v people who are talented vocally or I don't know, just, it's not, it's not the same thing. So I think really to sum up that it's, it's the people around me that I was working with. that might've been just a little older than me who I looked up to and tried to learn from. So like watching other people's performances motivates you rather than getting like actual advice or like hearing things from these people yourself, sort of. Well, uh, I mean, it if you're talking about professionally, like learning from them, professionally learning about how to be a better person or feel... Just professionally? Yeah, professionally more... Just watching them. I, yeah. I, I kind of get, get from watching a person. There's not, nobody, you know, there was nobody in my circle that, you know, that I would go up and go, a little advice on how to do this voice or that voice. It was more like you, you kind of absorb... And then go away and and work on it yourself. And but you've mm -hmm. been inspired by their performance. You've been inspired by their abilities, and you you know, and that's kind of how I worked with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned before it's twenty five years coming up of Ed Ed and Eddie. Are you surprised by sort of like the hardcore nature of the fan base still to this day? Well. Good. I mean, not really. I mean, in the sense that um, it's a good, it's a good show. Yeah. You know, it, and it, it has that timeless feel. And I think maybe that's what Danny was going for when he made it. He wanted to create a show that would feel like classic and timeless, no matter, you know, you could look at it being a kid from 2023 you know, nine years old and relating to it and not feeling like there were too many things in it. And they go, oh, that's so, that's so 1995 or six, or whatever. You wouldn't, you know, it's just a classic, timeless kind of feel to the show. And it's still mm -hmm. relatable to all those archetypes, those characters in the show are still relatable. Like, just speaking of Double D, there's so many people who relate to Double D now. Yeah. And there will be so many people who relate to Double D 20 years from now, 30 years from now. You know, and that's, I think that's the great thing about it. And I also like the fact that the way social media and the internet has created the ability for people to go, uh, I can look back on shows that were done 30 years ago, 25 years ago and, and enjoy them, you know, and it's had, it's had a good, like, it's been, it's had a little bit of a rebirth through like HBO Max, I believe. Yeah. I don't know where it is now. It's somewhere out there. Someone just told me that it's either on Apple or something, but. It's it's continuing to live out there and on on YouTube and so it's great. Yeah, the, those those were my golden days when I was like younger. Cartoon Network was 
really at its peak when the shows like Ed, Ed and Eddie and uh, the Grim Adventures of Billy Mandy were on air. Like those were those were some uh, you know good times. How much of the character that you played as Double D? Because I consider him sort of like diplomatic in a way. How much yeah. of uh, the character you played on screen or voiced rather? How much of that character uh, relates to the person you are in real life? Like, are there similarities? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if I was looking at my own personality and those attributes that fit into Double D nicely is is the kind of, like, I would probably be the one who's more in my world is kind of try to be the bridge builder, the diplomat of, mm -hmm. of trying to, hey, why can't we all just get along a little bit here? That would be great. You know, it's kind of, I am kind of that person a little bit. I think that's, like, in terms of the characteristics of, of, of the three Eds, I think there's a little, there's definitely a little bit of, uh, Tony Sampson in in Eddie and with Matt Hill in in Single D Ed. There's like if you if you knew them and hung out with them for a while, you go, you guys really, yeah, you guys. Because so many people say that you guys look like the Eds. You guys are the Eds. You know, we go okay. You know, there's some there's some truth to that, which I, I I think is there. So it's it's funny, like, yeah, it's it's uh, there are some definite character attributes that I bring into that character. Um, I'm not as smart as Double D, but I don't think anybody is. That no, guy's, yeah, <laughs> quite the noggin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, I try. I I try my best to live up to his his cerebral fortitude. Yeah. Did you have uh, like an elaborate casting process with getting onto there, or was it more straightforward for you? Well. Back in the day, I mean, now the auditioning process for the most part is we, we send in MP3 submissions now. We used to go and actually go to a studio and have to sit in a waiting room and go in a bunch of actors and go in one at a time, like a more of a traditional audition. And I think for, well, I mean, there's different reasons that, that got killed, but a lot of it had to do with the finances of just renting a studio to do it when just do a submission. and But that became a whole evolution of trying to get used to auditioning on your own and going is this good or not because you're not really getting a lot of feedback from a director or a producer so you're just kind of guessing okay i hope this sounds good and then you send it off and but back then there was an actual initial audition where he went in did the character and i when i when when i was given all that list of characters double d was the one that I knew that's the that's the only one that really. Maybe I auditioned for another one. Maybe I was Johnny Two by Four or something, right? Because it was in my voice or Jimmy or something like that, like in that range. But Double D was the one I really was gravitated toward. I thought I can, I think I can get this guy. I think I can get. In the beginning, they really said he mumbled. That was this thing which I found kind of amusing. Then the start, they said he mumbled. I think that was out of he was nervous and didn't want to speak, but that he evolved over time. If you look at the first two or three or four or five episodes up to the last season, he became very loquacious and very, you know, he spoke his mind about everything. You know, he wasn't like, oh, I don't know. so if you look back to the first couple of episodes, you'll see that I'm kind of, a, I think even one of the characters, you remember the wrestling episode? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was the masked mumbler. That was the name of, um, that was my, you know, <laughs> and the masked mumbler. And I was like, Oh, hello everyone. How you doing? You know, so it was, so 
we had initially auditioned for the characters and then we, there was a callback with two groups of three people. Like I think there was in the end, there was two double D's, two Ed's and two Eddie's. And then we went in a room and we kind of mixed it up a bit and they played with the, uh, you know, the, the chemistry, so to speak. And in the end, they ended up choosing Matt, Tony and myself for the, 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 the Ed's. So that's how that went. Yeah. Did you know those guys prior to that casting call? I knew Tony, or not, sorry, I knew Matt pretty well because Matt and I had done some voice work together previously. So I'd known Matt for a while. I knew I knew of Tony, but I didn't know Tony because Tony had worked uh, on some on some on camera. He was an on camera actor as well, and Matt as well. So I knew about Tony because he had worked with one of my, my girlfriend at the time on a show called The Odyssey. I think it was called The Odyssey. So I knew of him, but then when I finally got on the show, we got to know each other, and yeah, it was it was it was it was fun. Wow, you're not kidding then about uh, that area being kind of well known with like everybody kind of knows each other in the acting mm -hmm. sphere. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're looking at like a, you just look at the the size of some place like L.A. or New York. It's there's thou thousands upon thousands upon thousands of performers wanting to you know in in Vancouver that the, the and even in L.A., I mean, the, the circle of performers, of voice performers, is relatively small. Like, there's a relatively small number of people who consistently work. And then you just imagine Vancouver was even smaller. And literally, it was probably 30 to 40 people who were getting most of the work during those days. So you would run into these people all the time um, at auditions and things like that. So it was really a really tight kind of social work circle of people yeah mm -hmm. would, would you be open to any type of reunion if they choose to do like some let's just say for example like 25 year ed and eddie like special or something along those lines you mean as work or as a reunion like for a convention or social thing um like work like a, like a, yeah i mean yeah of course i think i think everybody would probably be open to that i i personally don't think that would ever happen Mm -hmm. um, I think that the, I don't know. I just have the sense that the door has been closed on that that show. It's like people would love to see more of that, but I just feel that it's it it's it it is what it is, and I don't see that like a reboot or a, another thing coming up. It's like bringing the band back together. I don't think that I don't think that's in the cards. So I don't know. Um, I think It'd be cool to see you guys all grown up or something along those lines. Well, there are there are huge fans of Ed and Eddie. Uh, one guy in particular who's from Australia. Sorry, I don't remember your name. He has his, uh, an IG account and also YouTube where he's been creating his own animation of the Eds as teenagers now and doing these little clips of like they're 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 like they're fan based. Really well done. The animation's excellent. I think the people who are playing the characters as like young adults are, are they're doing a good job. So it's kind of fun to see that. I, I, think, I think I think the funniest part is, and I guess this holds true in like single D's ca uh, case is like he's he's supposed to be s sort of like a kid, but he he sounds so like an adult. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his, his voice. Well, yeah, and he's yeah. It was kind of a joke. I think Ed was the one who had hair under his arms before any of us did, right? <laughs> he was, just, you know, that was kind of. It felt like that a little bit. Like he was the guy who 
was always a bit, a bit more mature than everybody else growing up a little quick i mean who knows maybe it's the stuff in the food but uh yeah. he he tended to have that uh in his voice and in even his his character mm -hmm. yeah absolutely have you uh grown up in colorado your entire life in comox on the island okay. comox vancouver Island. no i it was vancouver i don't know why i said colorado, <laughs> colorado. i just, just kind of I was like, I haven't been to Colorado yet. No, Vancouver, um, I meant. yeah, Vancouver, yeah, Vancouver, yeah. I was born in and raised in Vancouver. Um, I do have a connection to Comox on the island because I lived here as a kid for about four years, and it's a great area. Um, just beautiful, you know, the water, trees, mountains, and uh, I decided to uh, move up here. But um, I, I've, grown, I've grown up in Vancouver my whole life, been part of the Vancouver film and television industry working out of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, this is this is kind of my stomping grounds in, in, in terms of work. Yeah. Well, what, are, what are some uh, interests of yours these days? Like, what do you like to do? Um, I, know, I think I saw your Instagram. I think you were into hunting. Is that, is that correct? Hunting. Hunting. Uh, no, no hunting. Um, yeah, hiking, hiking. I do like to hike because there's lots of trails up here. Um, mostly, I right now I hang out with my wifey. We like to go thrift shopping, like to find vintage or toys that I can sell on the side. Mm -hmm. um, I like I, I like languages. I'm I'm. I taught myself French a few years ago because I have a side of my my family on my father's side that's from France. So when we're actually going to be going to a family reunion in August, and uh, my wife is Guatemalan Mexican, mm -hmm. so I've been trying to brush up on my Spanish a little bit more. And we like to watch like cartoons in Spanish and things like that, so I can get that that language a little bit better. My um, I play a little bit of guitar, kind of noodle around. Um, so, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I I I, I try to I try and draw more because I used to like to draw. Mm -hmm. And when you're away from it for so long, it's like, oh, this is so hard. It's gonna take me forever to get good. So you have those little moments where you're gonna. Ah. So I I like to draw, but sometimes I'm just like, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do it. But, so. <laughs> You know, just do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at right now. What What are some of the um, – because I think geographically when you look at certain locations, you're able to pinpoint like, okay, this is like the uh, premier food in this location. Like, for example, over by me, it's like pizza, right? And then like mm -hmm. just as an example, Maryland's like very known for like crab cakes. Um, what And Philadelphia with cheesesteaks too. Um, what what is like? What would you characterize your location at, like food wise, in your opinion? Well, I mean, I don't think Vancouver has a distinct um, food that you could label as uh, being like. Oh, this is like if you go to Quebec, you go it's poutine. You know, like oh, it's poutine. It's like have you heard of poutine? You know, it's like yeah. it's fries with gravy and cheese curds, and go. Oh, that's that's so Quebec. Oh, they ca they call that disco fries over by here. Oh, you call them disco fries? Okay, yeah. 
Well, in Quebec, it's poutine. So, um, but here, I mean, we're kind of known for our, well, we have good, like, seafood. Like, if you're going to have, like, something from the West Coast and you're going to have some really good Pacific wild salmon, like, that mm-hmm. would be, like, ooh, salmon. From If you're going to eat something, like, local that's good. So we do have things, like, you can go to the docks and get fresh seafood um, that are caught in the Pacific. Uh, but we also have a lot of influence in terms of it's kind of cosmopolitan in terms of the type of food we have here because we have a, a large Asian population. So in Vancouver, you can get some really great authentic Chinese food. You get some, well, it's more Americanized, but we have a lot of Japanese restaurants, sushi. People love that here. Um, and then people love their burgers and their fries, the kind of typical American. Yeah. And there's one particular thing that, I don't know, you may not have heard of this. I don't even know how far this goes, but it's kind of like there's a town south of Comox. It's called Nanaimo. And mm-hmm. there's there's dessert there called the Nanaimo Bar. And it's basically three layers. It has chocolate on the top, this kind of like yellowish sweet nugget in the middle. And then it's kind of like a more of a... It's so, like, I don't know, Google Nanaimo Bar one time and see what okay. it is. Like, and, and that's kind of like famous for that area but as far as cuisine goes there's probably somebody going well you didn't you didn't mention this or that and i'm like no we're, we're pretty much we're pretty much americanized in our in our kind of palate and things like that we love our pizza we love our burgers um but we also love our asian food too because mm. so, you know the, the, you know you having thai or uh pho, you know the soup pho, you yeah. know like noodles and stuff people love that so yeah sounds great i mean all those things i mean they're kind of pretty popular over here we just go by different names basically yeah and we got i I got a funny i got a funny uh a little new york story when i was when i was uh one thing about being a canadian voice actor is that there we do have a different accent and there's certain words in um canada depending on where you are regionally it can be even more severe but there's certain words like i'll try and say it more canadian house mouse about out it's not oot like a lot of people go, oh hey oot it's not oot it's out and it's different and and when you f- first started learning how to voice act you have to make sure that your some of these vowels are more Americanized. So, like mm-hmm. you're learning to, you're like sitting there practicing out and about, out and about, out and about, out the house and mouse and house to get that ah sound as opposed to the uh. We're a little more lazier with our vowels here. We're more like, hey, how's it, how how's it going, eh? How you know? So it's a little bit it's different. So we got trained like, and we say things like the word again. We say again, again. It's very different, right? You go again. Yeah, that's how we say in Canada. Again, you're good. Wow. You're gonna do that again. Again, it's again, right? So there's all these words that you slowly have to build up and sound more American. Because in the cartoons, you'd know it immediately. What? Why are they? Why are they saying about and again? And you know, we say mum as opposed to mom. Can't, can't Canadian because we have our British influence for, for us is mum, mm. my mum, my mum. I don't even think I call my mom my mom anymore because I got so drilled into saying mom. Now I'm just like, hey, my mom. But <laughs> traditionally we say mom. But anyways, getting back to the story is I was in New York and I went up to a guy and I wanted to order 
a hot dog, but I was using my Canadian accent. And I said, can I get a hot dog? And he was like, a what? Oh, a hot dog. He's like, a what? I said, a hot dog. And he goes, oh, you want a hot dog? I was like, yes, I, I would like a hot dog. <laughs> and then he understood me. It was pretty. It was pretty funny. I was like, I didn't think my accent was that bad. Hot dog. It was. He just couldn't. Mind blown. What What are you asking me for right now? So, these little <laughs> subtle differences in accents can make people just go, I don't. Yo, pal, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but we got hot dogs. I don't have a hot dog. So. <laughs> did you like the hot dog at least? I, I did. I did enjoy it. Yeah, that's... one so badly. I just please give me a hot dog. Those are another. Those, that's another uh, one that's very known around the New York area. It's pizza and hot dogs. Hot dogs. Hot yeah. Dog, hot dogs. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza and hot dogs. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. You guys have some of the best. Great combo. But uh, yeah. thanks so much for your time today. I had a great time uh, chatting with you. This was a ton of fun. And um, good, luck, good luck with everything you have going on. Okay. Before you go, here's a question for you. Yes. Favorite wrestler all time. Go. All time? Uh, I mean, I'm... I know it's hard to pick one. How about how about this? How about this? Not new. Anything from the eighties to nineties favorite. 80s to nineties. Yeah. Honestly, probably Kane. Kane, wow. Yeah. I'm a, I'm more I know a lot of people lean towards the Undertaker and I like the Undertaker a lot too, but I'm more I like going against the grain a little bit. And I feel like Kane had a lot more uh layers in the sense that like if you look at their story, like I think it was like Kane and Undertaker's parents, like, supposedly burned in, like, their old family house or something like that. And then Kane was ended up turning out to be, like, he survived the, the fire. So, right. I thought you got a lot of... storyline, better background. Yeah, yeah. So I like cool. the background of it, so... Okay, one more fun fact about me as an actor. This is going back. But on the show, I was doing a series called Lonesome Dove, and I played the town doctor. And I had the good fortune of working with a wrestling legend, Brett the Hitman Hart. And oh, he, no way. He was on the show. He played the local mountain man on the show. And I had I got to work with him a couple times on the show. And he's uh, he's based out of he's based out of Calgary or he's from Calgary. Yeah. Um he part owned the the hockey team, the Calgary Hitman back in the day. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my my one wrestling connection with him. I got to work with him uh in my early 20s, he was a super nice guy, awesome dude. And one more, when I was 15, because we're talking wrestling, I went to um, my local coliseum. It's called Pacific Coliseum, where the, the big wrestling shows come. And I was, I got to meet Andre the Giants back uh, outside before he went in and Jesse the Body Ventura. And that was wow. my two, like, great awesome times being a young kid like liking wrestling and i got to shake andre the giants two fingers because he's a massive he was a massive human so he, i said hey nice to meet you and he gave me like two fingers to shake i was like and uh jesse the body so that's that's my wrestling uh fanboy stuff right there are you a wrestling fan no not particularly oh. but um i am more getting more into it now because I have a friend who's big into wrestling. He watches local wrestling stuff. He's like, "You gotta come out, man! We're good. There's gonna be a showdown uh, down in Nanaimo. You gotta come out. My kids love it. His son loves wrestling, so he watches the local stuff. And uh, I've also been keeping my eye out more for um, the, the vintage 
wrestling figures because I know there's a huge wrestling. Those are, those are very popular. People, yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to pick those up because I know people like them and I learn a bit more like that. But when I was a kid, yes, I used to watch like the Calgary Stampede, mm-hmm. that old, old, that classic stuff um, growing up in Canada. So I was up to a certain point in my teen years, but it didn't I didn't really carry through through my whole life. Kind of I kind of round right, right around Hulk Hogan era, it kind of just faded out for me. But um, well, it was I, very, I, it was a pop culture phenomenon. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it yeah. was almost impossible to miss it. Yeah, but uh, I appreciate it. I I, I, I I, know there's a huge passion for that out there for people in the wrestling. So, yeah, it's cool. It's cool, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, Thanks this again, a, man. Yeah, this is a ton of fun. Uh, have a great rest of your day, obviously, and um, good luck with everything. This Thanks. Great. Thank you. Take care. You as well.